Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. This is Bewilderbeasts, an infotainment show dedicated to inspiring curiosity for all ages by investigating the ways animals intersect at humanity. I am not a historian, an ethologist, a researcher, a scientist, a zoologist, a trained audio engineer, or an expert in, well, anything. Y'all, I'm lucky if I can remember to put my clean laundry in the dryer before it gets funky. And while I make every effort to present things as accurately as I can with a fun flair, I'm going to mess up. And that's okay. I hope I've given you a nice place to jump off from on your own adventures into curiosity, or at the very least, I've given you the key to win your next round of trivia. Hello and welcome to Builder Beasts. I'm your host, Melissa McHugh McGrath, recording 2,782 miles from Dingle Bay, Ireland. And today, I toast a fare thee well to an animal loving friend, and we revisit the dolphin of Dingle Bay. Hello, everyone. Um, this episode, you may have noticed for all those uh, die-hard Monday morning commute downloaders that uh, this is a delayed episode. Over the weekend, I was privileged to be invited to say goodbye to Alan Torpy at his memorial service in Massachusetts. Alan and his wife Mariah were students of mine a long time ago, and I wish I could remember if their Aussie Roger was in a puppy class of mine or if he went to a colleague's class, but we all at the facility knew Roger. <laughs> um, he was a bundle of fire red fluff and a little Aussie butt that wiggled like jello when he got excited. And if somebody out there could just figure out a method to collect Australian shepherd butt wiggles and put it into a usable energy source, <laughs> you would probably get a Nobel Prize for finding an unlimited source of free and adorable eco-friendly energy. But this trio, Alan, Mariah, and Roger, did eventually slide into my disc dogs classes a few years later, where Roger got to fly. And I do have some comical photos of Alan on all fours with bath mats all over his back. Um, He didn't have what was called a vaulting vest. And this is like a neoprene vest, almost more like a scuba suit that you would put on over your torso to protect yourself for when your dog goes to jump off of your chest or off of your back and catch a frisbee or a disc way up in the sky. You see, dogs have nails and they don't retract like cats do. And they're thick and they're dense. And when they run, their feet are designed to push dirt away from them to help propel their bodies forward. And that can really tear up human skin. (laughs) And I've seen usually the macho disc dog fellas who don't heed the advice to get appropriate equipment before jumping their dogs off their torso, (laughs) who are absolutely shredded from 50 pounds of flying-focused Fido parkouring off their bodies to catch a flying Frisbee 11 feet in the air. So we didn't have a vest that would fit Alan, so we just used bath mats to get Roger comfortable jumping onto Alan's back. But then catapulting off his back like he was in like a ninja warrior course or something. And Alan always seemed to light up a room. And he always, always, always made people feel like they were the most important person in the space. And people were always happier being in his presence. 
Alan and Mariah told me during one of these classes leading up to my wedding and honeymoon in 2011 that we should go to the west coast of Ireland and that we needed to see the dolphin of Dingle Bay. As you could imagine, I might have lost it at Dingle Bay. (laughs) It was just such a funny name to my American ears. Um, But then my husband and I, we looked him up and we ended up adding this stop to our five to seven days over in the Emerald Isle. And yes, we did get to see Fungi, the dolphin, in today's story. We saw him in the river heading towards town as we were walking towards the tower in the opposite direction. I wish I could say that the dolphin stopped and waved to us or winked or a rainbow spouted out of his blowhole and then Disney birds tweeted a song of joy and good fortune. But no, he was just commuting from the place where the river met the ocean down the river toward the tourists. He was too far away to get a really good look at him, but we did see him that morning. It's hard to miss a dolphin in the river. So the world is a little less bright without Alan's laughter, his love of animals, his love for his wife and his family and his friends. And judging by the community who came to support Mariah and his sister Orla, Alan left an impression on so many people who are all just better off knowing that he was here. And he'll never get to have a pint in the future with the adult version of the four-year-old daughter, well, my four-year-old daughter, (laughs) that he helped get into a packed bar on St. Patrick's Day so I could have her hear traditional Irish music. Yes, that was a moment of, I would say, not-so-excellent parenting on my part. (laughs) But it was a great story, and I love that I have this memory of spending that day with Alan and Mariah, my kiddo, in an arena that was not about dogs which I was always happy to spend my time talking dog shop with them. And don't get me wrong, I do love talking about dogs to everyone, but I do sometimes like to take off my animal hat and just hang out with people as a person um, instead of having my profession at the fore. And that day I got to do that with these amazing people. And that day with the packed bar and the Irish music and the full Guinness for me, not for my kid because I wasn't that bad of a parent, (laughs) but the realization slowly creeping on me that perhaps I should not have taken my preschooler to the busiest Boston area bar on amateur hour day with Alan laughing the entire time at the scene. I will never forget him or his smile or his kindness or his wife's strength and kindness and her curiosity. I've always appreciated her asking point blank, Melissa, why? Which reminds me to always slow down and explain everything to my students because not everyone is in my head, which trust me is probably a really good thing. (laughs) So for today, join me in raising a glass or a thought for Alan or maybe for somebody in your life who has passed, someone that maybe you didn't get a chance to say goodbye to. Just take a minute and give them a wink to the sky or if They were real fun, maybe a wink to the ground. Just kidding, I'm not very good with these things. I think that's um, a pretty close approximation to one of my favorite Irish sayings, which is, may you be in heaven a half an hour before the devil knows you're dead. And you know it's a fantastic memorial service when most of the people went up to give a thought or a memory or to share a story about Alan, and they almost all included the phrase, Sorry, Father, as they looked over at the priest sitting in the corner, (laughs) including mine. But in Alan's memory, and if she ever hears it, Mariah's enthusiastic curiosity that brought us to Dingle Bay all those many years ago. Here is a replay of Fungi the Dolphin of Dingle Bay, and we will be back on track next week with a new episode for you. But do listen to this one if you've heard it before. It is one of my favorites, the story of the dolphin who gave up pod life to spend it with the people of a little fishing village in southwestern Ireland. 
slancha, my friend. Until we meet again. There are three islands off the west coast of Ireland that make you feel like if there is an end of the world, you found it. Now, this is where I went on my honeymoon over a decade ago. 800-foot cliffs that drop straight down into the churning Atlantic, wind gusts of up to 130 miles an hour. That is fast enough for falling rock to be blown back up the cliff. But that's the occasional gust. The average speed? It's between 65 and 80 miles an hour consistently up that high. That's about the range of speed that I prefer to do on the highway, no matter what the speed limit indicates. This part of the world has ruins that are older than America's, well, America. Sitting on the cliff far enough back not to get blown into the ocean, which admittedly would look really bad on your honeymoon to be offed off a cliff. I mean, I've listened to a lot of true crime podcasts. I know how that would look. It would look real bad. But there is nothing between you and America aside from a few thousand miles of turbulent ocean. It was awesome, especially since there are no cars on this island. So if you have to walk or bike or convince a pony to take you around, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of trying to, quote, convince a pony to do anything. You'd be better off on foot, generally speaking. But there are only two ways to get to these islands by boat. You can take a large ship from Galway or a little boat from the quaint town of Doolin. My husband and I wanted the quaint experience, so we chose to depart from Doolin Harbor. The only way to the boat was to get into a smaller boat at that shore, and that would take us to the big boat and just pray you didn't fall into the Atlantic, jumping onto the other boat. But we had a guardian a little dolphin who was just hanging out in the harbor by him or herself, quite close to shore. He or she was alone and seemed to just enjoy being near the people. Probably had been reinforced for being this close with food or attention, and I didn't think that much of this little guy after getting on the boat because, as we discovered on this journey, apparently I suffer greatly from seasickness. I mean... The way the waves tossed and turned, it felt like we were in a washing machine, and I'm just surprised not everyone was violently ill. Part of the reason for the churning of these waves was, ironically, the giant ships coming from Galway, and they were much larger. Those tourists were riding to the islands on a big, comfy couch. We were going across their waves, like we were riding on a bucking bronco. No joke. When we went to depart the ship, I paused for a minute, trying not to yak all over the seats of the boat, and my husband started to giggle. I must have glared at him at just that way to encourage him to defend himself, because he pointed at something at the wall that I was holding on to for balance. I was standing next to a map of the interior of the boat. The name of this boat? The MV Tranquility. Pull? I need an assist. The first words I said on this glorious, secluded island, the island I wanted so desperately to experience? Tranquility, my... It wasn't until later that we developed the film. Not everything was digital at the time. And that's when I noticed our dolphin friend. And by that time, there had been enough space to appreciate the dolphin that I had completely forgotten was our guardian in my, well, let's just say condition. 
But this wasn't the only solo dolphin that we had seen in Ireland. We went to Dingle Bay in the southwest of Ireland, the same region as the walrus from last week. And let's just get this out of the way. Yes. The area is Dingle. Dingle Town in Dingle Bay. It's an Irish thing, but Dingle, a hopping touristy area, lots of pubs, beehive huts, these cool stone huts that are the size of small garages and look like, well, upside-down beehives that were built out of stone, and they were what monks lived in in the 12th century, long before Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And what struck me with these beehive huts was that they were on people's property. You would see a modern home and then a beehive hut, this archaic structure, this piece of history, and it's housing a lawnmower and bikes and dog food bags. It was so surreal. And also in this area was Skellig Michael, the island made famous in Star Wars where Rey found Luke. Sorry, spoiler alert. But fun fact, the porgs on this island that Luke Skywalker was hiding out on were actually CGI jujitsu. They were covering the puffins that live on this very, very, very real island spitting distance from the coast of Dingle Bay. We would have gone, but it would have taken another boat. And we've talked about this. I was done with boats. But the other thing Dingle Bay had that was unusual, that was the draw, that was unlike anywhere else in the world, was Fungi the Dingle Dolphin. Fungi holds the record of being the oldest known single dolphin in the world. So like my friend in the choppy waters of the music town of Doolin, Fungi was a solitary fellow. He marched to his own drum, was a crow left of the murder, a dolphin in his own estuary. And he would perform. When fishermen would go out in the bay, Fungi would jump and flip and do tricks and flirt with the people of the bay. He evidently got his name from one of the fishermen, a man unfortunately nicknamed Fungus, as he couldn't grow a beard. So I assume he got the nickname because what facial hair he could grow was fungus-like. Anyway, he interacted with the dolphin in the bay long before anyone else thought it was cool or even interesting. This dolphin became known as Fungus's Dolphin, later Fungi. Fungi the Dolphin of Dingle Bay. My goodness, I love all the names here. So the town built a statue to Fungi. It's right in the bay, and the photos will be up on socials, but why am I talking about this little dolphin? Well, when we saw him in 2011, it was the perfect September morning. The woman at the B&B suggested that we went for a walk to see Folly Tower. It was basically an old-timey stimulus package. Kings and dukes and old dudes and castles would find ways to pay laborers to build a tower, even though the tower served zero purpose. One such tower was here in Dingle Bay, and we got to go check it out. And while I hopped on the rocks and walked on the grass toward the tower to nowhere, we looked to our right, and there was a dolphin. He crested a few times, but then he leapt up and did a flip, even though I suspect he thought no one could see him in the wee early hours as the sun was just rising. And then he swam further and further towards the touristy areas, towards the docks, towards the people and away from us. We saw Fungi, and he was so cool. Although it is normal for social animals like dolphins to live in close contact with each other, it's still rare for them to seek out human contact. And Fungi is the first recorded occurrence of a dolphin interacting positively with humans in the wild in Ireland. They are very social creatures as a general rule, but to be fair... Some people just do better on their own. Some seals choose to swim 250 miles to live at a farmhouse. Some crows befriend humans. I would argue that Fungi, while alone, didn't strike me as the lonely soul that could easily plague such a creature. 
he seemed to just genuinely find joy in people. And while he found joy in people, people found joy in him too. Fungi became an instant tourist attraction for 37 years. Fungi was the most famous attraction in Dingle Bay. Tourist companies popped up, boat companies, knickknack shops all sprouted up in this area, all in Fungi's honor. Not only was he unusually human-friendly, but he was the top wild cetacean tourist attraction in the world. Hundreds of thousands of people had descended into this little community over the years just to see him and stay for the amazing other things, too, that this part of Ireland in the Gaeltrecht, that's the western part of Ireland that still speaks Gaelic, had to offer. History, art, music, and, of course, pubs. And when tourists come, they spend money. 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 So much money. The boom to the economy that this wild dolphin had in the Dingle area had been estimated at over $10 million for just the first 24 years that he was in the bay. His fame only grew over time, so that number surely was way higher the longer Fungi lived in the harbor. On irishdolphins.com, a real website that hasn't been updated since 2012 from what I could determine, so large grain of salt here, but there was a useful FAQ about Fungi. And one of the more common questions was, why does fungi or any other dolphin stay in the bay? Here's what they said. One, dolphins eat fish, of course. The entire mass of tidal water in Dingle Harbor empties into the sea and refills twice a day through a very narrow channel. This water carries fish, but no nets can be set here, and even seabirds find it hard to hunt in the churned-up water. So the dolphin, equipped with a state-of-the-art sonar and turn of speed which leaves the Atlantic salmon standing, has all the fish moving in and out of the harbor to himself. If it wasn't for the rich pickings available here, he would not have been able to live comfortably within such a small area and to spend most of his days playing around. Two, Fungi loves boats and he has a constant supply of them coming in and out of the harbor here. Three, or as our late lighthouse keeper Patty Ferreter put it, how would I know? But then COVID hit and the tourists stopped. The fisherman boat stopped. The town went dark and quiet as people holed up in their homes. The nearly 40-year-old dolphin who showed up in Dingle Harbor in 1983, I was two years old, and continued to seek out human contact over the next 37 years, disappeared in October 2020, seven months into the pandemic and pandemic lifestyle. As dolphins average between 8 and 17 years in the wild, Fungi on his own in Dingletown made it to 40 But when he disappeared, the assumption, given his age and maybe sorrow for missing humans, was that he swam out to sea to die. It's so sad to think that maybe this 40-year-old bottlenose dolphin who spent his entire life in Dingle Bay as a lone dolphin finally died of loneliness after the people stopped coming. And that's where I thought the story would end. But while it's very, very, very unlikely that Fungi is still alive, there's a reputable glimmer of hope. Remember Galway, the other town that the boats left from causing my seasickness so many miles away? Yes, there are reported sightings of a dolphin playing with surfers and leaping and doing all these tricks by boats, not seeming to interact with the other dolphins, but seeking out humans, which seems very fungi-like. Dr. Simon Barrow has been studying dolphins in the Shannon Estuary for almost 30 years. And he said his team had discovered at least two dolphins in history who were thought to be dead in new locations in Tralee and Brandon. However, it's thought that maybe this dolphin in Galway is a short-beaked common dolphin 
not, pushing up my imaginary glasses with a well-actually expression, a bottlenose dolphin, which is a larger dolphin. Fungi was a bottlenose dolphin. Also, Fungi had a well-known mark, a notch in his left side of his tail fluke and a small rounded nick at the base of his dorsal fin, which is really hard to see in photos and video as jumping dolphins are really freaking fast. So regardless, if this is another solitary dolphin in a nearby touristy area playing with people, which I guess now is Ireland's thing, or if it really is Fungi the Dingle Dolphin who just decided to move to other waters during the pandemic. Either way, it is extremely unlikely that Fungi will ever return to Dingle Bay, the place he called home for 37 years. And Dingle is certainly mourning the loss of their beloved friend in the bay. So what do you think? Do you think fungi far exceeding the lifespan of wild dolphins moved to Galway to keep playing with tourists? Or do you think he passed on in the place he called home? And that maybe another dolphin has taken up the torch in nearby Galway? We may never know. What would you do if your city went without streetlights for six weeks? What if it was for a mama bird? And that is exactly what the entire town of Padakuti in India did. A robin built a nest in the switchbox that happened to turn on the traffic lights. And one man, Karapu Reja, is the guy in charge of turning on the traffic lights at night. How cool is that? But he went in one day and noticed that a mama bird had set up house in the switchboard and had a nest of eggs. Instead of turning on the lights, which would have made the mom fly away and the babies would have died, he instead took to a popular app called WhatsApp. And apparently all 120 homes in this village are on this WhatsApp thread. They eventually agreed to just let Mama stay until her babies flew away and then they could do their best without streetlights temporarily. The entire village banded together to help the Indian Robin survive. So while the entire town went dark, this village led by the efforts of Karapu Raja brought smiles and lit up the conservation world and hopefully made you smile too. So thank you for joining me today on Bewilder Beasts. If you like this podcast, you know what to do. Share, tell your friends. It's truly the best way to support the show. If there are topics that you would be interested in hearing about on the podcast, know of historical animals who changed the world, animals who help humans, wacky animals in the news, or other animals who shut down a town, there are multiple ways to send them in or let me know what you think of the show. First, visit the website, bewilderbeastpod.com. There, you can find episodes to start with, share episodes, learn about the show, how to support my show, and see bonus art for some podcast episodes. Email bewilderbeastpod at gmail.com. Tweet at bewilderedpod. Or you can DM and voice text at bewilderbeastpod on Facebook. There, you can leave a one-minute voice message on your favorite animal fact or resource for the show. Or lurk at bewilderbeasts on Instagram. I am Melissa McHugh McGrath co-training director of the New England Dog Training Club, author of Considerations for the City Dog, and creator of Mudstuff Media and this podcast. Now go get curious. I got today's information from Jonesy, that's what I'm calling him, 
the 1,500-pound cow from Kiro7.com. On Fungi the Dingle Dolphin, from my own personal experiences, having a honeymoon in southwestern Ireland, and wikipedia.org on fungi, irishcentral.com, insideedition.com, and hakaimagazine.com. On our little bird friends in India, from thegoodnewsnetwork.org for our little bird friends in India. Links, as always, are in the description of today's episode. Intro music is Tiptoe Out the Back by Dan Leibowitz, and interstitial music is by MK2. Don't forget to like and subscribe, review, and share with your curious friends. You know, all the things every other podcast tells you to do. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.